You're listening to the Laugh Button Podcast on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Laugh Button Podcast. I am your host and editor-chief of the LaughButton.com, Matt Kleinschmidt. Doc, Matt, I was going to say MattKleinschmidt.com. Tumblr.ca.com. And with me again is uh, Bram Teitelman, the editor-in-chief of MetalInsider.net. How you doing, Bram? Uh, .gif. 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 .gov. I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's, hi. It's, How's it going? It's good. I'm, I'm apparently MattKleinschmidt.com. Mm-hmm. So how are you? Uh, yeah, we're here on the Ridecast Network, Ridecast.com. Uh, anywhere you can type in the laugh button into a browser, you will find us. Social media, you will find us on the web, you will find us, all that kind of stuff. And uh, before we dive into anything, Bram, our guest this week I'm really excited about, it's a guy named Joe Sib. Yeah. Joe Sib is the co-owner, co-founder of Side One Dummy Records and a stand-up comedian. He's been doing stand-up comedy for the last uh, handful of years. And uh, he and I met via... Other other practices, basically his company doing business with the parent company of the Laugh Button, and uh, he kind of slowly but surely started doing comedy more and more, and that's kind of how uh, our relationship blossoms over that stuff too. So we actually sit down when you and I were in L.A. Yeah, I want to actually uh, show people like Laugh Button podcast listeners how the sausage is made. Oh, do you? Uh, yeah, little oh, okay. do you know, some of you probably that uh, that we record the microphones. Some of the interviews are recorded um, in advance, not right there. It's not real no, time, no, believe not it or all. not. And uh, I've. I've <laughs> been co-hosting quite a few of these yes, and this have. is the first time I ever got to see an interview be really? recorded. Was it the yeah. first? I thought you were with the Red Fang interview. Red Fang, that's right. Yeah, that, the that Red, you sat in on the Red Fang interview as well. But yeah, so Joe... The would, second time ever. When we were on California, Joe invited us up to his very nice place um, and he had recently converted his garage into a podcasting studio slash office and we broke it in. It was literally the first time anyone had used the podcast uh, portion of his new office. So it was me and Joe sitting down some very comfortable chairs with and some microf- well you yes me and yes B Joe and Bram were in the room I documented it Bram sat in the corner and documented it as he did some, did some light emailing and Joe and I talked about comedy in the corner and we just kind of had this really great conversation about like how he got started how how he kind of his process uh, the release of his new album uh, nowhere near the top he was very excited about that uh, so yeah we kind of dive into all that so I'm really excited about this uh, this interview because it was groundbreaking I feel like <laughs> every podcast ground- is groundbreaking <laughs> every everyone podcast. we do but this was actually really every podcast we do yeah. is groundbreaking. Yeah. I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going for what's the name of the guy that does inside the actor studio? James Lipton. I'm going for a James Lipton kind of vibe. I want to be the James Lipton of podcasters. So I'm going for a more of a resolute demeanor. What's your favorite curse word, Matt? <laughs> what's your favorite curse word? When you get to the gates of heaven, yeah. So I'm trying. I'm going for that. That's up. what I'm trying no, for. You so. hang up. No, you hang up, son of a bitch. <laughs> so uh, I want to talk about a few things before we dive into this interview Let's with go. Joe Sib. Let's go. The Wait, what you do? Uh, what else did you do this weekend? That's actually. The one of the things I want to talk yep, about. I yep. want to talk about. It's called setup. Comedy Central's Colossal Clusterfest. I went to Clusterfest this year. It's the first annual, so everyone that went this year went for the first time. And it was in the heart of San Francisco, the Tenderloin area, mm-hmm. right near the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium and uh, I guess that's City Hall, the, that little like courtyarded out area. And it was Comedy Central's, I guess the best way to describe it is a fan event, a fan experience. They basically did a setup that allowed for stand-up comedy, more act-out, improv type of comedy, and music. Music, and their tagline was comedy, music, comedy. And the headliners for all three nights, the first night was Kevin Hart. The second night was Bill Byrne. The third night was Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, Sarah Silverman. The B-listers, basically. Yeah, yeah, you know, just some schlub 
some up and coming schlubs. But I mean, other other talent there was like Pete Davidson, Kyle Kinane, Hannibal Burris, Tig Notaro, Abby Nalana from uh, Broad City were there. T.J. Miller was there. Randy Letke was there. Brendan Walsh, uh, Jay Larson, the goddamn Comedy Jam was there. Fred Armisen was there. So like you know, really really A level stuff, A level comedians. And then they also had uh, time for up and coming showcases like newcomers. Uh, they did almost like a uh, you know the next wave. They had like a new faces type of stuff. They also did a couple of live podcast tapings. They did uh, How Did This Get Made? They did Anna Faris's Unqualified. There was a couple other ones too. Uh, and then they also had some gala type of uh, showcases where, you know, there'd be one host, there'd be a, uh, an opener, and there'd be a, a direct feature, and then there'd be a headliner. And one of the ones I caught was Hannibal Burris, Tig Notaro, and Nick Vatterot hosted. I'm, I'm blanking on who was on between the two, and someone's going to murder me because he murdered, and he was awesome. And I'm, for some reason, just my, my mental illness is just kind of uh, my mental facilities. I'm feeling really pretty physical illness. It is. I'm feeling pretty sick today. I've been coughing a lot. I know I have. So uh, I'm just blanking on who was on that. Maybe I think he caught San Francisco. We'll put it in. (laughs) I caught San Francisco. So we'll put it in post. But so a lot. They had uh, all the stand-up comedy was basically inside in the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium. They had the main room, which seated probably about 5,500 people, and that they would do comedy there. Anthony Jeselnik, Pete Davidson, those guys would do probably like a 90-minute show. You know, every couple hours to be a 90-minute show. And then they also what they called the Larkin Room, the Larkin Comedy Room, which is where they taped a lot of the podcasts. And they had the 415 Comedy Club, which was upstairs, which was probably the smallest and was probably about 300 and there they did like a live taping of the bonfire with Jay Oakerson and Dan Soder they did a live what's your fucking deal they did a Baron Vaughn host of the showcase there too so it was a really fun experience I mean the best way I can describe it is when there weren't bands on stage or comedians on stage a lot of the comedy was inside but the headliners performed outside and then outside they would do like a live Gore Burger show or the goddamn comedy jams like stuff that made sense being outside you know because comedy really is tough to do outside so sure. all the headliners were, were basically the big guys outside because they fill up the big place and um, it was great I mean like for a first year festival there was probably a lot of things that could have gone wrong for it because you know just ironing out the kinks and Comedy Central had partnered with Superfly Entertainment and another Planet Entertainment Superfly has done Bonnaroo's and all these kind of and outside lands and these big festivals so they knew what they're doing and uh, it was great man like uh, I I'm sure there was some, you know, behind the scenes craziness. Stuff got canceled. So and so missed this, that, or the other thing. But from the fan experience, the whole goal was to just provide a good time for the fans, and I think they did it. I think Comedy Central really did nail it. You know, so my hats off to those guys for doing the festival the way they did. Um, they had a lot of really fun attractions. You could walk around like a, an installment of Patty's Pub, and in Patty's Pub, there'd be some activations like, you know, for obviously the Cavaliers game and Golden State Warriors game was one of the nights. So they had uh, just a screening of that game. But they also did like Always Sunny Bar trivia hosted by Joe DeRosa. Mac showed up and bartended a little bit. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So fun stuff like that. There was a corner where you, they were singing Dayman, <laughs> you know, where you could see like the, the performance. There was the toilets area. Yeah, and Seinfeld's too. apartment was there too, right? There was. There was an installment of Seinfeld's apartment, which was the only attraction I was unable to get into because it was so popular. The line was an hour plus easily for the entire time I walked by it. I was only there for about 24-hour period. And I'm actually going to recount everything that I saw or retell the whole story on, uh, basically on the laughbutton.com. So if uh, you want... This this in print <laughs> you can basically go on the laughbutton.com and read the whole thing but um the Seinfeld apartment I didn't make it into because like I said because of the line but they also had like giant head versions of like all the Seinfeld characters walking around they had uh, the characters from It's Always Sunny walking around too the, the soup Nazi was there the soup Nazi even showed up in the Seinfeld branded restaurant uh 
food booth. So they, a lot of the food booths were like in style and on brand. Like uh, in in the South Park area, there was the Whistle and Willie's Pizza Wagon where you could go get a pizza from Whistle Willie's. There was, uh, you know, you could get the big salad in the in the soup area with the soup Nazi. So the real soup Nazi was there for a little bit. So there's a lot of that kind of fun stuff. And then bands performed. Ice Cube, Chromeo, Les Claypool did a, did a set. Um, did he play the South Park theme? He did. He did kind of like an all-star jam with like a bunch of guys and Fred Armisen sat in on that too. So the goddamn comedy jam performed. Um, trying to think who else was performing, but there was a lot of performance. Tegan and Sarah, I want to say, were there too. Um, it was just a lot of really fun. Like it was definitely a music festival at some parts, but it was definitely a comedy festival at others. Like more so the comedy festival because it was Comedy Central. But like it's one of those things where I could see an East Coast version of it. I could see a Central, uh, you know, a Chicago version of it too. It could be really, really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it sounds it sounds colossal. Yeah, I mean, like and and like the name of it was great, and the imaging was really good, and like you know the merch sales kind of like they had some really great merch with that comedy music comedy tagline. So it really did. Uh, I mean, for for first year fest. Of all, I was really surprised in how well it all kind of came together. I get my again, my hats off to Comedy Central for being able to pull it all off. And uh, yeah, they had said, "Hey, come out and check this out." And I was like, "Sure, I'm in LA. I'll fly out to San Francisco. It's like a 45 minute to an hour flight." So I made that flight, and I was out there, and I uh, hung out there for about a, a solid 24 hours, and it was great. So my hats off to Comedy Central again. Uh, Got to give those guys props. So uh, beautiful. Yeah, hopefully they'll do it again, and there'll there'll be another one, and it'll be all kind of good stuff too. So. So while that was my weekend, other crazy news broke this weekend too, and I want to kind of get into and maybe this might be a little bit Comey, of, right? <laughs> no, he's testifying tomorrow, today. Well, it's today. Well, yeah, the time of this podcast, he'll be testifying. Yeah. Um, and that's not very funny, actually. <laughs> they're taping the new season of This Is Not Happening this week in Los Angeles. They're taping it this week. I want to say they're taking a week off and taping it the week after that. They're doing a bunch of tapings. And Ari Shafir, the host slash co-creator of This Is Not Happening, is not hosting the season. Uh, and it happened the very, very last minute. Oh. Um, they actually have tapped Roy Wood Jr., the correspondent from The Daily Show, to host This Is Not Happening. And I saw Roy very briefly at Clusterfest, and he was talking about how he's trying to prepare himself, and you know he was really looking forward to going down there and doing it and it's I don't want to say it's suspect the replacement of Ari Shafir but two days a day prior to this announcement Ari announced he was putting out two Netflix specials oh so there's a lot of people running with uh, the theory that Ari made the announcement of the Netflix specials and therefore his relationship with Comedy Central soured and uh, that happened. So, I mean, it's clearly just a rumor. Ari has not said that. He actually went on his podcast to say that, you know, he basically said, due for circum- uh, situation, uh, unforeseen circumstances, uh, the show must go on and, and Roy's hosting. He's still an executive producer and creator of the show, so it's not like he's completely like, dissolved from being associated with the show. But the timing has a lot of people questioning whether or not it actually is there something more nefarious or it just was Ari just had something, an, uh, an actual scheduling conflict. So it's very interesting. So I'm curious to see how that that kind of happens and, and, and plays out in the wash too. You never, never know. <laughs> also on the uh, the website this week, we kind of do a rundown of Norman Lear's new show, which he basically talks to a bunch of 90 plus year old people uh, about their lives, about like, you know, what it's like to be, you know, that old and how they're living and all that kind of stuff. And he finds a lot of humor in that. And I fucking love Norman Lear. I don't know if you're a fan or not, but, you know, he's responsible for some of the most iconic sitcoms of all time. Yeah. I mean, how can you not be of a certain age and be inspired by Norman Lear? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And, and, and I think that like Norman Lear has got like a 
good track record too. I mean, the Carmichael show came back on the air very recently, and Drag Carmichael, his new show is very right. Norman Lear inspired, where they tackle tough tough subjects. Like this past week, they covered they covered uh, rape and supporting the troops, like stuff like that. Where for a comedy show, those are like kind of taboo subjects and topics. So it's kind of interesting seeing like Gerard Carmichael pick up that Norman Lear. Or more the rape one than the supporting our troops. <laughs> and uh, also premiered this week was the new Jim Jeffrey show. Did you get a chance to check out the new Jim Jeffrey show? I saw the billboard oh, in Los Angeles. Yes, that's that's right. as far as I've gotten so far. The show's good. I mean, like, I was expecting a little bit less. There's still, like, guys sitting at a, at a desk talking about clips and stuff like that. So while that has happened. Does he ever read a newspaper on fire like the billboard? <laughs> no, he might. Okay. He might, but he definitely has a more laxed atmosphere. Like sometimes he's leaning back behind the desk, but like I would like to, uh, I don't want to say I want to break him from the typical late night mold, but you know, he's, I don't think he's doing himself any favors differentiating by sitting on a desk talking about topical news subjects. Like I think there could be a little bit more to it and hopefully there'll be as the show develops and whatnot, it'll be less of a Wait, a white guy sitting behind a desk? <laughs> well he makes stuff that joke about news. He makes that joke. Like, you know, an immigrant took a, a white guy's job. Yeah. Um But I, I like it. I really do. I like Jim Jeffries. Uh, point of view I like his position on stuff but it is kind of uh, I think there can, more can be done to differentiate it from like you know I don't want people calling it a daily show clone because I think Jim Jeffries is, has a unique voice and you don't want necessarily like that kind of like stink on you I guess it's on Comedy Central right it is on Comedy Central well, so you're going to get called uh, any kind of news digest host advice I want is going to yeah, be called but, a daily you know, show I mean you can but I think at the same time I think you can you could do stuff to differentiate yourself and I'm just think it's he's going to have to figure out how to do that stuff Sure. Who knows? And then also this week on the on Comedy Central, you know, because Comedy this I think like this became a Comedy Central podcast but between Clusterfest and everything they have premiering this week. But Jordan Klepper, who's taking over for the Larry Wilmore spot at eleven thirty, uh, his new docudrama docudrama, his new documentary, mockumentary called Jordan Sepp- Jordan Klepper Saves Guns. Uh right. or solves guns, I'm sorry. Jordan Klepper solves guns is going to premiere on Comedy Central on Sunday night, too. So that'll kind of prime everybody for uh, the forthcoming uh, late-night uh, host that will be Jordan Klepper from The Daily Show, too. So uh, there's a lot going on, as you can tell. Go read about all of it on the com. I think we're going to take that take this opportunity right now to, to uh, do a small little break and then kick it to our interview with Joe Sib. So here it is on Left One Podcast, Joe Sib. Yeah, that's what happens when you get old, man. Yeah. Have you had to back the readers yet? No, I've, I've, I've had, I, I luckily have not had to deal with teeth and or eye problems in my entire life. You know what I just realized? What's is that? the last time we talked on the phone, I asked you the same question. Well, that's Have you had to deal old. with the readers? <laughs> it's because you're getting old, Joe. Dude, I'm not, though. It's you're just not, I know. These things. But my vision, I was saying the other day that my vision ha- went so quick yeah. that if any other health, ailment hits me like my vision like i don't even know if i'll be here to see this tonight (laughs) like if you know what i'm saying like it just it was like one minute i was able to read everything and the next minute i'll never forget i was at a restaurant with my wife and we got in an argument because i said someone's getting fired and she's like what are you talking about and i go these menus were printed way too small no one can read this and she's like joe you need to get glasses. And then I went for like cool guy and got like the yeah. rad subscription, you know, subscription, the rad, whatever. And then yeah. now I'm the dude that just goes to like the pharmacy. Do you buy him off like the rack at the right aid or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah that yeah. guy. Don't yeah. even care. <laughs> Welcome back to getting old with Joe Sib. Jeez. <laughs> for all you youngins out there, take care of your eyes. 
Very much so. So, Joe, I'm excited that you're on our podcast. I'm stoked to be here. I'm excited for a few reasons. One, we it's been a while since you've been on the podcast. Two, since then, you've released an album. Gosh. Which is incredible. Yeah. Three, uh, you recently moved your business somewhere else. Yep. Four, we're breaking in your brand new podcast studio. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the biggest? Which is the biggest thing up here yeah. in the hills of California? There you go. Yeah, just sitting in a, what is a converted garage into this lovely. I, I'd be <laughs> jazzed if I had a podcasting space like this. Yeah, no, man, dude. I, well, first of all, we give give a shout out to my hood, Glendale. We're in oh, yeah. Glendale, California. I didn't know if you wanted to be that specific. Oh yeah, to tell dude. people where you lived, dude. Didn't need people knocking on your door. I want people to come by kebabs okay. all day long. Come by, Joe has kebabs. I live. All right. I live in Glendale. We are an Armenian community. Everyone here is Armenian except me, mm-hmm. and they love me because I look Armenian. So you do as, as long as I don't talk, <laughs> dude. I swear I love living here. I've never, I, I never got to grow up in like an Italian neighborhood. Yeah. So this is the closest that I think I'll ever have. It's a, it's a this this community of Glendale now is a lot more. You know, I saw like I saw a dude the other day with like like a little mustache and like hipster pants, and I was like, wow, like we've because when I first moved to Glendale, people were people because you know I was living in Hollywood forever, yeah, and people were like Glendale, man, and when you live in L.A., everything is judged by how far away it is. Yeah, I mean, it, like, so it's not like New York. I've been in L.A. for a day and a half now, and all the conversations seem to be predominant dominated by how you drive there. And how the weather? It's yeah. like, is that all you guys talk about here? It is LA? totally like the Saturday Night Live skit, the California. The California. I mean, it is like, yeah. like, I is that why the sketch resonates so much with people? Dude, how about this? Because I watch it, I'm like, I don't know what, what I don't know if no idea. Well, is. how about this? Okay. Watch that skit being okay. from LA. I remember seeing the first time Fred Armisen did it, and I didn't yeah. laugh. Because you were angry? No, I just was like, "What's what are they talking about? Yeah, they're talking about the 405 to the 134. Over, I was like, oh, it's like the first time I saw Spinal Tap. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't get didn't it. didn't get it. I was like, what's so, I don't understand what the joke is. You were and too then, close to it. So close to it. That's so bad. <laughs> so, so I'm really excited to finally be able to talk to you about like your career in comedy because you actually now have a career in comedy. Gosh. Do like, you like, Matt? You had a career when we first You're met responsible you. for that career. I, listen, I can't take credit for it. You I and Alice. To, I refuse to take credit for it. Just keeps doing that. Oh, okay. I was just making sure because it went to like a different screen. Nah, dude. Like, all, right, all right, cool. That's it called, scared me. I that's called the, the hiccup. Is <laughs> that is? Yeah. Got it. I, like, I like doing that to people <laughs> so they go, did you lose everything? And what we're talking about, we had a little <laughs> momentary lapse in yeah. the podcast studio. Yeah, so sorry about that. So, uh, your, so your career in stand-up comedy has done nothing but blossom in the last couple of years. It's been mm-hmm. great. It's Thank been you. great. Thank like you. I remember when I first started talking to you about it, Five years ago? Six well, years ago, maybe? Yeah, I mean, the, I remember when I first... Well, you know, first of all, the relationship with Syndicate yeah. goes so far back with Cy One Dummy. Syndicate's a parent company of the Laugh Button. Yeah. And and the, the, and pe- the Cy One Dummy is your company. Yeah. Right? yeah. So the thing that kind of happened, just like a snapshot really quick, was was so I'm, I'm, I have this record label called Cy One Dummy. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was uh, basically doing this like spoken word show. California Calling. California Calling. Yep. And it got on the radar um, of, you know, some different people here in L.A. and just a thing. And then basically I wanted to take it on the road. So then Mm -hmm. I reached out to the folks at Syndicate because we were working with them with all our bands. And then they were like, hey, check it out. You should meet Chris and Matt because Mm -hmm. we're doing a thing called Laugh Button. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay. And then that really kind of turned into the relationship I I started with you guys. But I always remember the, the best thing that I remember about you, Matt, was... 
And, and this happened with a few, I was telling someone else about this today with, uh, this guy named Mark Flanagan from the, from the Largo. Okay. He runs this, the Largo here yeah. in Los Angeles. Very, very cool. How did this get made those live podcasts there like every week? Yeah, okay. live, yeah, you know, so long story yep, short, so the thing that, the thing that happened was I was like going down this world of spoken word and telling stories mm -hmm. and, and I was like, wow, I'm doing stand up. And mm -hmm. I remember you and uh, and Jack Vaughn, mm -hmm. uh, another comedy guy, over and, at SiriusXM. Over right SiriusXM, and at that time he was at Comedy Central. And then my friend Flanagan, they like at three different occasions, everyone was like, "You're not doing stand up, you're doing storytelling." Yeah. And I remember I'm like, "Well, what do you mean?" And yeah. and I remember each person was like, "Look, if you want to do stand up." You know that's a whole different game, mm -hmm. and if you want to do storytelling, you're already doing that. Yes. But, but I remember specifically having a lot of conversations with you, mm -hmm. a lot of conversations with Jack Vaughn, and a lot of conversations more with Jack Vaughn, you, yeah. and Ellis, Chris Ellis, uh, and uh, and and with Flanagan. But it was always about like trying to maneuver because I was coming from this music background yeah, yeah. and I was so I, I didn't know what I was doing mm -hmm. and, yeah. and trying to figure it out and you guys were always like alright you know this is kind of what you're doing I, I remember um, I remember even like I think I would send you like bits like mm. is this is this a bit you know you'd be like no that's more of a story okay or like i remember you know what do you guys think about this set like okay now you're you know now it's yeah, time yeah. to go and stand up well it's it, i mean it's true though but like i think that's how most stand-up starts though is you have a story to tell and you find the funny parts of it which is kind of like where you're at you were like i have this these great stories and all these memories of i mean shit I, I'm trying to remember what that's what California calling is back. I'm going back a couple years, but like, it's stories about how you hung out with the Ramones, yeah. dressed up uh, as the Pinhead. Yeah, there you uh, go. Yeah, yeah. Were were a skater kid growing up, yeah. and being a dad. Yeah. You know that that's yeah. kind of all your stuff, and you yeah. just had to figure out to distill it to find the, the beats in it, and, you and also to do yeah. That. yeah, and also trying to like you just said finding the beats and yeah. also condensing it. Yeah, like just I remember talking to a, a friend of mine. He was like. Uh, it was Greg Barrett, comedian, yeah. and yeah. He, he he gave me some great advice one night. He said, "Joe, words are like furniture. And move like, them around." And and he goes, "You move them around until you find the right spot." Mm -hmm. And then I was like, "Okay." And then I worked on that. And you know what's funny with stand up, and and this is what's so bad with me is that I'm not good with uh, with with um, like a long. Uh, with stand up, you have to take your time, and and yeah. I've never I've never been someone that wants to. I mean, I I'll take my time to do a good job. Yeah. But what I realize now with stand up is that you're only going to get good and get to that place that you want to be if you really put in the time. And 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 now I understand why other comics that I that I saw and that I that I would would you know think are amazing or just respected, why they would have. Um, kind of a, um, I would give a little stink eye to a, a younger, not a younger yeah. comic or a comic that would come in and just kind of have this like 10 minute set that destroyed, but didn't have anything more than that. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I was like, yeah, that, that's great. Right. And then you realize the longer you are around and the longer you stay in the game, how it's all about the craft and mm -hmm. how it's about, it's about the artwork of it. And it's about working, working on that. And that was the thing that, that happened where I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to really like dig my heels in and I'm going to really try to watch and learn. And for the first time in my life, I'm going to fucking shut up. <laughs> I'm going to listen. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I, you know, I was like, I'd go to shows and because I was in LA, you know, I was able to see people like Eric Griffin, Daniel Tosh, Dane Cook, 
um, uh, you know, uh, who else? Um, Chris D'Elia, Bill Burr, Dom Herrera, just these lineups. Yeah. Chappelle, when yeah. he was coming back. Those guys are hammers, and, man. And, and I would just go, you know what? I would, I would do my set. And and then I'd go and I'd sit in the corner and I would just sit there and I'm I'd go I'm gonna I'm gonna watch stand up comedy from mm -hmm. from the from now until it's time to go home yeah and and I would just sit there and take it in and I'm, I remember what, the first time I saw like Bobby Lee and and you know his, how physical he was I I you know I I was like I wrote down notes like be more physical you know <laughs> which I'm like you can't be like Bobby Lee you know I can't no, you know? no but that's yeah. also that's also a big part of comedy in general and stand up is everyone seems to start imitating somebody. Totally. It's like it's like Pat Oswalt has this whole thing about I started and I realized I was just aping X, Y, and Z comedian. And that's why I think the time takes it because it takes time to be comfortable on stage. It takes time to get on stage and be like, I'm going to tell something and maybe it's not going to work and I'm not going to feel the pressure of, oh my God, everyone's staring at me in their eyeballs. Like that flop sweat. When comedians <laughs> first get that, everyone has that. And they're like, oh shit, what do I do? But the good ones are like, I can dig out of this because I know what I have the tools in my toolbox. Yeah. The, uh, the, you know? the tools in the toolbox, I would say I was super fortunate in this. In the, in the, yeah, you do have a, you kind of had a little bit of a head start. Only yeah. because of being in a band yeah. since I was, you know, 15. Mm -hmm. I, I knew, I remember, I remember, uh, W watching uh, bands and, yeah. and I did the same thing. I remember for years, it's the same thing for being yep. a singer in a band for years. I wanted to be Ian Mackay for minor threat. And then I went into, I'm going to be Kevin seconds from seven seconds. And then you, you start learning. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, as a singer, I'm not neither one of those guys. Cause both of them are awesome and yeah. I ain't. So you, you start <laughs> figuring out what your thing's going to be. Yeah. And then you see the mighty, mighty boss tones and you're like, I'm going to be like Dickie Barrett. And mm -hmm. then you realize, you know, I'm not, I can't do that either. Yeah. So you slowly, but what, what you slowly start doing is you slowly start giving a nod and, and, a, and kind of a little grab a little piece from him, mm -hmm. a little piece from her, take a little piece from him, and you start creating the front man that, that you're going to be. And mm -hmm. then one tour, all of a sudden, you slide into really who you are. And yeah. with stand-up, I, I did the same thing in the sense that I knew I, was, I, knew, I, I, you know, I, knew I wasn't going to pinch from um, – like the thing was, though, I couldn't pinch from – comics like the way they would deliver their material because yeah. I couldn't even speak that way on yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, I, I remember a friend of mine said, man, you know what, dude, the good thing with you is, is, you know, you got one good thing going for you and one bad thing. And, I, and it was, it was a club owner. And I'm like, what is it? And he goes, first of all, no one will ever be able to take your material and do it over again. Exactly. Because of the way you talk. Just, yeah. He goes, Joe, just the way you sound and talk is just, it's your whole thing. Mm -hmm. The bad news is you don't have any material. Yeah. So you don't, so no one's going to steal it, but don't worry about it. But, <laughs> and I remember he said, you have, you've got great stage presence and, and you know how to do all that, but you have, you have, and I remember he was like, you just don't have the, you don't just have any gotta, material. You just got to write some jokes. And I was like, out. and I remember hearing that and, and, but it was weird. I didn't get bummed. Because I knew it was true. Yeah. Instead, I I remember I remember I was like I have to write a joke. Yeah. Like I have to see if I can write a joke. And I remember I, I, that was like my mission, just to. And I was getting up at all these open mics, just like anywhere I could get up, and 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 it was just like okay, you know, how do I take this story and make it funny? And and it was like you said, it was trying to find these beats, but mm -hmm. it was so 
like a science experiment for me. Yeah, and, and I just nerded out on it. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of have to. And, and this generation of comedy fans, I think what I love about it is you have access to such a, a wealth of comedy. Like, you could pull up anyone on YouTube, on the internet, and you know them, and you're like, oh, this is how so-and-so did it. Whereas back in the day, you might not have had been readily that access. You might not have had that access readily available to you. No, I mean, um, I think everyone, I think everyone before all of that information that was available, you would read Steve Martin's Born Standing Up. Yep. Maybe uh, another few books. There You'd was, see a documentary or two or something yeah, like that. You wouldn't now, have it. Now, now I have, you could take a weekend and become a Bill Hicks expert. I mean, you and know, also you yeah. have all these these great uh, these great uh, little pieces. Like uh, I, I the other day, someone sent me. Um, I want to say it was Greg Barrett again. He yeah. sent me this great link to Louis C.K. A bit that he had done being broken down by someone, and it was it, they had the it was written out. Yeah, and and it was so it was so silly because, you know, I have two kids that are thirteen and sixteen years old. And I've never sat down with a parenting book and read a paragraph as much as I read this paragraph. This uh -huh. guy was analyzing yeah. why Louis C.K. put the word but here and then had a pause here. And I was just so just like, That's oh, incredible. my God, I love this. Almost like how you would diagram a sentence in like grade school or something Absolutely. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. No different than when you were kids and you would see <clears throat> some guy in the lab breaking out the chromosome structure. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, man, that's lame. And you're like, right now, I'm like, I'm that guy. Yeah. I, 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 I love stuff. Studying one of my favorite things um, that that and I, I read it with someone was like yeah when you when you when I hear it like a one liner that I really like I always come home that night and I write it out because I just like looking at it not I won't do it on my phone either yeah, I'm like yeah. I want to write it with my hand uh, there was this one one liner that uh, Rodney Dangerville had a while ago that it was like it was him on the couch with like John or sitting in the chair next to Johnny Carson. And you know, he was the one line master, but yeah, it, yeah, of I was watching it. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is so great. And it was just one after another dude, like, like a one liner, like those comics, like Mitch Hedberg or yeah. him. It's like a muscle. It's like watching a boxer or watching us, like watching Kelly Slater surf yeah. or Tony Hawk skate. It, you're just watching like perfection yeah. and you're like, okay, I ain't going to do that. You know? Yeah. And <laughs> some guys are just born to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I remember this, the one liner he had, he said, Yeah, I said to my kids, someday you're gonna have kids of your own. And my kid said, Yes, yeah, so will you. <laughs> and I was like, I remember I used to know how many words were in it. Yeah. And I was like, gosh, for 12 words, what a punch. There's that there's is. just there's no fat on that joke. There, there's no it's, fat on there's it. There's no fat on that there's joke. There's no fat. Just, yeah. And it take it's such a heavy joke. Yeah. Like, hey man, you're acting like a brat and yeah. someday you'll know what it's like to have kids and then the kid throws back, someday you'll have kids of your own insinuating, we're not even yours. Yeah, like, yeah. holy, like, <laughs> there's, there's, what? <laughs> that's, did, and that's a great joke. I mean, like, what I love about one-liners, and Hedberg's a great example yeah. of this, is like, you could write his jokes out and deliver it... Anyone can deliver it, and it's fucking funny. Because it's that good. Because it's that good. Now, it's ten times better the way Mitch Hedberg delivers this jokes, but it, you still see, like, oh, there's the mastery in that. And some comics are great with that, and some comics, it's 95% the sell. You know what I mean? Totally. Stage. It's like some comics, like, they got to sell it. And if you write out – and there's a lot of guys that say – I want to say Louis is one of those guys, if I'm not mistaken, who says that, you know, if you write a joke out with that – take away all the inflections and write it out, and if it's still funny, it's a, it's a good joke. Yeah. Like, there are comedians that, like, strive for that. And then there's 
there's George a, Carlin, I think, was yeah, that way. Yeah, exactly. You but read then, his stuff now, American Dream. Yeah. You read that, and you're not really laughing because all the stuff he's talking about has come true, and that yeah. was a joke. Yeah, exactly. And he was one of those guys that when he – his whole thing was um, he would write it mm-hmm. and then perform it opposed to the other Tyler comic that's like, I'm going to work it out on stage. You know, the prior, yeah. st- the prior yeah. style. You're going to come out. You're going to go, hey, I got this concept. I'm going to each night tweak it and tweak mm-hmm. it and mold it and shape it. Uh, and it's just two different styles of Completely work. Completely different styles. And I don't know if one's better than the other. I think it's just a matter of the, your personality. Like, I think it was Dennis Miller once said he doesn't test out new material. He writes it and he knows what's funny versus not funny. Wow. So he just like writes it and then goes on stage and delivers it and like that's a special. And that blows my fucking mind. Yeah. Because first <laughs> of all, he's a very intelligent man, but like at the same time you're like, really? You're going to go and just not have that? You're going to be like that relying upon your skill? Like I don't know. Like I would just perform in front of I, someone. I, the only way, the, the, I mean. I couldn't do that. For, to have that, to have A, that, um, much confidence, yeah, amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna have that. I don't have any confidence anywhere in my life that I'm that safe and secure. <laughs> Joe, like, you've done very well with your. Yeah, life. but I. I but mean, it's been it's been practiced, dude. It I'm has been, you. but at the same time, like I feel like you're one of those people who just by sheer will of wanting to do something, like you feel like I want to do this. I don't know how to do it yet, but I want to fucking figure it out. And like that's, I think it's afforded you a lot of cool things in life. Yeah, that's a called know? obsessive compulsive. <laughs> And my daughter has it, which we should yeah. get her to come in. But you and know, ask her, ask, and and she'll tell you why she sweeps her room in the middle of the night. Oh, okay, because her dad did that. <laughs> but I love. <laughs> but like, there's people on this planet that some of some of them just have a motor. Yeah, and. The motor is I want to get up every day and just do things. Yeah. Like I got friends like that, and I'd much rather ho- have those people that like in my life doing things and just like maybe a couple people that sit around and talk about what they want to do with their yeah. life. Like you know, like you're like I want to do like you were like I want to start I want to be in a band. I started yeah. a band. I want to start a record label. I want to start one of the most successful like indie independent labels out there. So I want to start comedy. So I'm going to just do it. I want to create a podcast. So I create a podcast. There's doers and there's not doers, and you're definitely a doer. You know. It, it's the thing that I would say, man. And he, I mean, hearing you say that, I'm like, wow, man, fuck, I did a lot of rad shit. <laughs> no, that's so, you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you were here an hour ago, I was talking to my wife, going, oh my God, what am I? I, I don't have a spot this week. I mean, it's so weird. Well, that's comedy. That's is so comedy, addicting. dude. It's so, I've never been into drugs. And yeah. now, dude, People are gonna find me like if I lose everything, it's because of stand up comedy. I swear <laughs> to God. Like before stand up, I was I, I you, remember you were home at night no, with your no, wife I, and kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? Before before yeah. I found out about this thing called getting a laugh, yeah. I was so I was so just, you know, you're going through your life and mm-hmm. everything's cool. And then all of a sudden you 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 go out one night and you and it's so funny because I heard Seinfeld talk about it. He has that joke about the, the comics that get like a train breaks down and they're and they're going across the snow field mm-hmm. and it's all these comics and musicians and they're trying to get to the next place to catch the next train. Mm-hmm. I'm totally saying the story wrong, but he says, as they look in the distance, they see a house and they see a family sitting around and they're having dinner and they all look at each other and they they say to each other something to the effect of like, glad we're not in there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you know, the irony of like, dude, you're in the snow, but yeah. you still want to get to the gig. Yeah. And, and I and I swear, it's like the thing that's so, I don't, you know, I fell in love with show business. Like mm-hmm. I'm so like, I realized it's, you know, the starting a band, um, starting, you know, like, and, I, and it never was like, I mean, I tell my, I tell people this all the time. 
you know, it's not like there's, there's talent. It's I'm a, I'm a full product of, cause I've been around super talented people yeah. and a lot of super talented people, unfortunately don't have a, the greatest work ethic. Yeah, of course. And, and that sucks. And I know, you know, comics like that. Mm-hmm. We know musicians like that. Yep. Just people that you were like, Oh my gosh, you are so talented and, and they have their moments. And then you have people that have talent, you know, but they have this work ethic mm-hmm. and this don't take no as an answer or yeah. take no as an answer and drink more coffee and get another <laughs> w- yes out of someone. Yeah. I'm of that of yeah, that there's, world. There's a high school analogy you can play here is there's the kid that sits in the back of the class, just kind of goofs off the whole year round, but does really well in the tests and they get a good passing grade. And then there's the kid that sits in the front of the class, does the homework, does the extra credit, does all the assignments and does just as well. It's just two different approaches. Some totally. of it's a natural ability and some of it's just like sheer tenacity. And yeah. if you don't have one, you should have the other. And I would have been yeah. the dude in the middle of the room <laughs> that was bros with the dude in the back and would yeah. say, dude, when the test comes up, can you hook me up? And he'd say, I'll get the answers from the dude up front. There you go. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> that, was, that was kind of my thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, 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 I've just, the thing that's, that's, that was, that's the journey with, with stand up. And and even with when we when we made the record and and all that mm-hmm. stuff was just the um, I really got to say now I understand why people say, you know it it takes time you you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta put the time in and it's it's nothing because because when I was in a band you and I you know you and I could say I could say Matt dude you know when you come out to L A let's fucking jam. At the troop, you know, and you'd be like, "All right, what songs do you want to do?" And I'd be like, "Ah, oh, you know, learn these, boom, boom, boom." And and yeah. I would I would sing, you know, I'd practice in the car, I'd do my whole vibe, and then you'd play guitar, or whatever mm-hmm. you're gonna do, and then we'd show up, we'd run it at um uh, at a soundcheck, Check. yep, and then we would blast those three songs that night, <laughs> and yeah. everyone would be stoked. Stand up ain't like that. No, you have to have a crowd. You have to have people in front of you and you can't, that's, that's the reason why going back to a few seconds ago, why I'm cringing so much this week that I don't have a spot to the point mm-hmm. where my wife and I were talking and she's like, she's like, what's going on with you? you know, and I'm like, I don't know. She's like, you don't have a spot this week, do you? I'm like, no. And she's like, well, you're so much in a better mood when you have at least one spot. I mean, but that's a, that's a test of a comedian too. I know plenty of comedians that are like, oh, I've been up in a week and I'm just jonesing for it. Oh. It, it sounds like a drug. It, it sounds dude, like it it's like I need to hit the next whatever, the next high. Uh, and it's obviously <laughs> addictive personality. And you know, hopefully, like comedians, there's some comedians kind of find addiction other words, other places too. But I, I don't know, man. Like. You mentioned Seinfeld, and the thing that always pops into my head about Seinfeld when people talk about stand-up comics is like he's a pure comic, and because the the documentary comedian, I don't know if you're if you're familiar with this documentary or not. Is it the is it the which one was that? It came out literally right at the end of Seinfeld, the show ending. So is it is it, it him where he's cruising around trying to get a get get a set together? Uh, yes, basically and, it came yeah, out. And it's in, also with in the nineties, and, and then, it's with the guy that he's Orny Adams. Yeah, Orny yes, Adams, yes. who who's basically doing his first Letterman. First Letterman, yeah. and he has to change the set. Yep. Back at the back at the at the hotel. Yep. And he's calling his parents, yep. telling them where to watch it. The, I what I loved it's about a, it's, it's a, a great documentary. Great documentary. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, the the one thing I always remember about it was, um, I think it might have been Orny. Is that am I saying Orny Adams? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when when he had um he had all his jokes. Like, like in a in a vault of yeah. like, oh, I have jokes for weddings. Yep. Oh, oh, you want jokes? You know this. Oh, you want jokes? I was like, whoa. Joan like, Rivers had that. Too. Oh, Joan Rivers it was, had it was that like too. a card catalog. Yeah, you know, was uh, that in there as well? No, that was from her documentary. From her documentary, piece of work. Which yeah, is a great documentary. Which is a great too. documentary. I yeah. love 
how much you know she wrote yeah. every day. She wrote all the time. Love uh, and I feel like that's why she was still very relevant up until the day of yeah. her passing. But back to Seinfeld real quick is he was a pure comedian because Seinfeld had just ended. He has more money than he ever knows what to do with. So he got syndication dollars, got everything he has, millions, probably billions of dollars, whatever it is. And he's thinking about how do I get my next five minutes of yeah. comedy together? And like that shows the power of stand-up too is that like if you're a pure comedian and you're not using this to launch you into other things – and your only job and your only will in life is to make people laugh. Like, it doesn't matter. The money is great, don't get me wrong, and it's good to, like, have that foundation, but, like, he just wants to get the next fucking laugh. Yeah. That's all he wants to do. So, like, I, I always think about that in my head of, like, there's some comics out there that want to just kind of, like, use it as a launching pad for something else, and then there's guys that are going to do it until the day they die yeah. because of the high they get from telling a joke. Yeah, and, and, and that exists that. in yeah. so many different atmospheres. You know, Absolutely. I remember as a kid, it, would, it was with skateboarding. You know, like, yeah. skateboarding for me was such a lifestyle, and yeah. then there was kids that were at the ramp just to hopefully meet girls or score drugs. Yeah. Um, with music, same yeah. thing. There was guys. There was guys. Start I a band to meet girls and score drugs. Yeah, yeah, or or I went through the whole era of you know get signed. Everyone yeah. wanted to get signed. Are we getting signed? Are you getting signed? Who's getting signed? How much did you get signed for? Signed. I mean, that's yeah. everything. Hey, and sure, at a certain time in my life, you know, we did get signed, and that was you know that you need that in your life. Mm -hmm. But uh, I remember being like, I'm I'm in I'm playing music because I have to. Mm. I have to get in this van uh, every night and drive, you know, six hours a day to go play music. I have to get on stage and I have to be up here with these five dudes or four dudes and and sweat it out. Like, mm -hmm. I, like I love. I remember I used to. I I mean, when I was on tour in a band. And it's still the same thing with me with with stand up. Is I love everything about the show. I love getting to the venue. Like I was just mm -hmm. at I was just at Comedy Works in Denver, and you know, Great it, venue. It's, it's such an amazing venue. But mm -hmm. you, you know, you cruise in there, and and they're in you. Know, I got there right before the show, and they're opening doors, and it's like, you know, is there a line out front? Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. So you're like stoked on that, yeah. and then you come downstairs, and they're having the staff meeting with all the you know uh, wait staff, and you're like, you're hearing them. You're okay, yeah. and you're like, okay, cool, yeah. and, and they all look at you like. There better be people here so I make some money. And you're like, there is, you know, yeah. so don't hate on me. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, and then you know, you go back, and then I always love going to the sound guy. Like, hey, dude, is it cool? If I, you know, I made a playlist. I want to yeah. play music, and they're like, yeah, sure. And they always like that. And then you're like, all right, you know, you start meeting the other comics on the show, and there's just that energy. It was the yeah. same thing when I was in a band. I used to love, like, I used to. I remember I was. I remember there's this bar in, in New York called the Continental. I remember I was yep. in there shaving before a gig once this like i mean i'm so lucky i didn't get hepatitis c i mean it yeah. was just like you don't shave in that bathroom no that yeah. that, that bathroom and, that place was a dive yeah, yeah and, totally. and and i remember the guys we were playing with degeneration or degeneration wasn't on the bill but they were there hanging out with us mm. at soundcheck and they said wow we can't wait to go on the road and do that. Yeah. And I'm like, do what? They're like, shave dude, shave the in the road. dirty bathroom. And I was like, wow. And I'm ironing a shirt on the stage. And, uh, you know, all of those things. You're very prepped for the Continental. I know, I know. Now, I know. for people that don't know the Continental, this room we're in is bigger than the Continental. Yeah, yeah. About the same yeah, size. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I was, you know, the thing The thing was, I was so in love. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and as I... As I, you know, am fortunate enough at this age to to still perform and yeah. do shows, you appreciate it. And I realize 
it, it, for me, it's always been about the live show, mm -hmm. whether when I was in a band or being a stand-up. Yeah. I love the live show. Well, there's that instant gratification, and it, there's that it's it's almost like this this weird ecosystem or this weird uh, symbiotic relationship of like you say something, the audience responds back to you, and then you give back and here. So there's yeah. this nice ebb and flow. It's really cool. So I, I mean, I get it. Like the live performance, there's nothing quite like the live performance. It's like you know, it's like your favorite band, you got to see them live. Your favorite comedian, you got to see yeah. them live because there is that live anything can happen element to it. It's what makes live television so sexy to people. What It's one of the most enticing reasons that Saturday Night Live first had. <coughs> Sneezed. Yeah. Not so, editing it out. No, live. man. I, we ain't doing shit as far as editing. You know, uh, you know one thing I was going to say, too? The, yeah. thing, the thing, too, I think that, like, the one element, too, that you can't plan for is just the idea, too, when you're doing stand-up. There's this, you know, I, I always hate when people say, man, it takes balls to do that. Because mm -hmm. it doesn't. Yeah. It's really, it takes... Ignorance. I, I mean, <laughs> not ignorance like a stupid person getting no, no, up there. No, no, no. But, but it like, really takes blind. It. I mean, think about it. When you say to yourself, you know, like, hey, man, I'm going to go to this club and there's 300 people in there. I don't know any of them. There's one microphone. There's no one on stage. They're going to intro me and I'm going to go up there. And I think I'm so funny. And everything yeah. that I have going on in my little world in Glendale with my yeah. kids and my, my garage or whatever. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm going to go up there in my black T-shirt with my slick back hair. And I'm going to say some things that are super, super funny. That's not in my – this is just my opinion. People probably get upset. Like I don't think it's – um, a thing of like balls and I'm yeah. so confident because I think I'm rad. I think it's a, I think it's like a weird fetish with like, <laughs> like when you, you know, have you ever been up against a glass window at like, you know, 40 stories and you're like, fuck dude, I just want to jump out, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, or like, or like when you're like, dude, that fucking train is coming. I want to jump in front of it. You yeah. know, like it's this weird, like I want to fucking get up there and see if I can pull it. And then, yeah, yeah. and then you do it. And you're like, holy shit, I did. And they laughed and they liked it. And then that adrenaline. And then, then the other thing is, is that there's this weird thing of like every time you go, you get up there and there's a moment I always go, I'm not pulling it. I'm not going to pull it. Yeah. I'm not going to pull it. I'm yeah. not going to pull it. Yeah. And, you know, and there's even, you know, and, and sometimes, when, you know, even when you have that moment when you're not pulling it, it you know, now I'll, I'll sit in that moment and be like, like, whoa, I'll look around the room and just be like, this ain't happening and almost <clears throat> really want to want to you know to hear that silence and like feel that kick to the nuts of like wow <laughs> they're really not grooving on this right now and sure when you're starting you're like that's usually when you're like well that's yeah. it for me i'm out of here yeah, yeah but yeah. when you have material yeah it's so nice to go oh so you're not into that that's cool i, I know you're this. gonna like yeah, this yeah, yeah. but it's weird now i I'll, when it goes that way you know i'll be like I want to feel that kick to the nuts for a second. Yeah, I mean, I know comedians that sometimes have deliberately dug the hole just so they can get themselves out of the hole. You know, it's just like tonight's going to be one of those nights where I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, you know, I want to I want to go in here and dig the hole, or I'm going to go in there with completely new stuff. Yeah, and just I don't know where the beats are yet, but I'm just going to say it and see what it sounds like. Yeah, you know, vocalized over. Yeah, an I, I feel like when I feel like I feel like when you when you see those shows for a comic. And they dig themselves out. That to me is that to me is the those are some of the best nights ever. It is. I mean, it's it's one of those. I mean, I'd rather the, see a set like that than hey, you know, sure. If we're at the taping, yeah, I want to yeah. see the polished set and of be, course, okay, cool. Of I'll course. be part of the party. But if it's in a club, you know, and you but, spent five bucks to get in, and I've seen Dave Attell mm -hmm. go up on stage and and have a whole list of new material and yeah, and just watch him. 
just figure it out. <laughs> figure it out, but and then of course watch him figure it out, and it's so it's like watching a fucking ice skater. Just yeah, you're like how did he land that? You know, you're just like, <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Yeah, it's, it's it's literally poetry in motion. And I heard that I heard that Chris Rock does when he has something new, he just literally reads it. He doesn't even inflection or none of that stuff. He's just like, so a guy walks into a bar and blah 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 blah. How'd that go over? Like, wow. you, like that's what I've heard. I've never actually seen yeah. it. But uh, I heard a great heard. thing that he said. But um, okay, he, uh, just a, a quote recently. No, that's no, totally fine. A, a quote that he said recently was, um, uh, was he likes when he's on stage and uh, and the audience thinks that he's hit his pinnacle, like uh-huh. like he's crushing. Yeah, and then he goes, the best feeling that he loved, and and I'm you know just paraphrasing was. When that moment's happening, that he knows, oh man, you don't even know yet. Like I haven't, I haven't even, I, I haven't, haven't even, even leveled this up. I yet. haven't even you, set it up yeah. for you yet, and you're loving this, you know. And I was like, God, what kind of feeling that must. Yeah, be. I mean, and 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 that's the blessing and the curse of being Chris Rock, because you walks into a room, and it's announced that Chris Rock's going to be there. There's a five minute ovation. He hasn't said a damn thing yet. I've seen Jerry Seinfeld get a five minute ovation, and he's just like, "Shut up! I haven't said a damn word." Like, come on, like to the point where he's like, "All right, stop it, stop it, stop it." So, but enough about Jerry Seinfeld. He yeah. gets plenty of exposure. <laughs> Jerry let's, Seinfeld. Let's bring this back to Joe Sid. Okay. So, your brand new album, it's yes. called Nowhere Near the Top. I'm I'm holding the album on vinyl. Yeah, it's like this has got to be a great feeling to be able oh, to put this out. Like, I love it. This is like. This is the culmination of how many years of work at this point. Uh, that right there is seven years of work. That's unbelievable. Yeah, seven. You got to be super proud of this. I mean, you got to be pretty stoked. Like, just first of all, the face you're making <laughs> as you're skateboarding. You know who I was with when we took that? Who? Kyle Kinane. Oh, were you really? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we were in Phoenix together. Okay, and he's a BMX rider. Yeah, 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 totally. And uh, he's like, hey man, he's like, I don't know how to do a Ky- hey, 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 I'm hey, Kyle Kinane. Hey, it's Kinane. Yeah, we're going riding tomorrow with these guys. <laughs> Would you want to go? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, all right. So then we met these guys, and they picked us up at the hotel, uh-huh. and um, they took us out to the skate park in Phoenix, and it was great. And we just were, we were all. I was skateboarding, they were yeah. BMX riding, and then uh, this guy named Kyle Clarkson, who's a famous BMX uh, photographer, mm-hmm. I didn't know he was there. And he goes, hey man, let's get some photos of you guys, you know, riding together. And I go, That's okay, great. cool. And then uh, he sent them to me, and that photo was in there. And I just always, I always just liked it. I'm like, yeah. huh. And then I, when when we came up with an album cover, I sent it to the guy. I go, hey, I got an idea for. An album cover, and I was kind of just messing around, and I sent him the picture with nowhere near the top, and he's yeah. like, "We have to use that." <laughs> like, it's funny right. how that stuff kind of comes together. Isn't too. that weird? Yeah, it's very. I mean, like the artwork is great. It, like, it looks like it's a, which I think very much fits your aesthetic. It looks like a punk rock comedy album. Yeah, which is basically you. Yeah. You know, yeah. like yeah. from the vans on the skateboard. There this is go. like this is the Joe Sib outfit. There you go. Like, if you're going to buy a Halloween outfit titled yeah. Joe Sib, maybe yeah. put on a black shirt black instead shirt. of a white shirt. Yeah, it's, that's, <laughs> but it's the Joseph it's probably the one time I've ever worn a white T-shirt, and I love the 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 font that we did. Yeah, uh, I just literally, I was sitting. Uh, we were looking at different colors of what they were going to write it in, mm-hmm. and then I looked at. I was like, man, what's a black and white album cover that I really really dig? And then I I looked and uh, I was like, oh wait. Isn't a uh, Road to Ruin or not Road to Ruin? Uh, Rocket to Russia. Yeah. Ramones. Isn't that black and white? And I went and I go into my albums and I pull it out and it's a black and white photo of the Ramones. And then mm. I'm, I just sent the picture of that. I go find that same color and just put my name in that font. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, if you're going to copy the styles, copy the styles of the best exactly. sometimes there you too. Go. So, there you go. so seven years of your life, and now yeah. the the material in this is very much you being a dad, absolutely, but not being the 
greatest dad. Yeah. And being fine with that. Because like, you, like, it's like, I am not the greatest example of how to be a perfect father. No, not and at all. And here's why. Yeah. You know, and you got to yeah. go into I, all the reasons why. Yeah, I love my kids more than, <laughs> yeah. than anything in this world. They know it. Uh, you know, you use the word toolbox for comedy. Yeah. I feel that that's the same way for parenting. Mm -hmm. uh, we're all given a, a parental toolbox from our parents. Mm -hmm. I always say that, you know, my mom and dad, my mom and dad did a great job. They yeah. were, they were, they were, you know, they got divorced. It was the eighties and, uh, they, they were great. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, parenting today and parenting then, I mean, wow, I'm, you do, we do all the things that our parents didn't necessarily do for us. And, mm -hmm. and I feel you're learning as you go. Like I, I always say that, you know, for me being a guy that was so against authority and I hated people telling yeah. me what to do. And I was so, so just middle finger to everyone at all times. Then all of a sudden you have kids and you're the authority yeah. and you're, it's a weird, it's a weird relationship I have with my kids because they're not even, they're like great kids, but there's still these conversations that come up all the time where like my daughter's, you know, she was, I remember she was going to these friends' house and, you know, she's, she's, uh, they were like making pot brownies and mm -hmm. I'm driving her there and, and we, she's like, oh yeah, I'm like, what are you doing? I check, like, oh, well, you know, these kids are doing this and that and they're, they're making brownies. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Like you're <laughs> going to the house. She's like, yeah. I'm like, well, what do you, and then there's a part of me like, aren't I supposed to not take you there? Yeah. And she's like, dad, I don't do drugs uh -huh. and they're going to eat these brownies and I'm going to hang out and we're going to watch a movie. And I, you yeah. know, and then there's a part of me, Oh, so I'm the dumb dad. Yeah. Like, Oh really? Like yeah. you're actually the dealer. Like, give me your drugs. <laughs> Let me see that backpack. Yeah. But then I realize, wait a minute. Oh, those are all the feelings that maybe I might've learned from my own parents. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm actually having a conversation with this kid and She's not a moron and yeah. I can't, I always like to say, you know, like, like even when she's gone to parties, you know, like yeah. I'll show up and it's, it's just such a different generation mm. of these kids. They're, they're like, they're, they're back in this, these backyards and they're hanging out having conversations and sure there's edibles and there's, you know, whatever going on, but it's not like the party I went to where the first thing I would do when I would get to a party is just throw everything in the pool. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm a fucking throw every, you know, just, I remember every party we went to, we, you know, we, we were so out of control and it's just, it's, I always like to say these kids, at least the ones I'm coming in contact with via my daughter and mm -hmm. son, they're not morons. Yeah. You know, they're, they're these, they, they talk about going to college yeah. and, and, and their biggest fear is, is if they have to go to a community college where I always joke around, like, are there other colleges? Like there's another <laughs> school besides that. Like, you community know, college and or Harvard. Yeah. There's nothing in between. Yeah. They just are like, Oh, and you know, so, so that's kind of the, the tug of war that I have. The thing that I, you know, I, I didn't want to do is like, I don't want to be like, you know, known as like, you know, I remember I was talking to a comic one night and someone was like, oh, dude, you're, I love all your stories about kids. I mean, I wish my dad was like you or like, you know, I'll meet other people like, we're about to have our first kid. I hope we're cool like you. And, mm -hmm. you know, and then I was like, oh, great. Like I'm the dad comic. And then I forgot what comic said it to me. It might've been like Dom or something, but yeah. he's like, dude, if people are thinking you're that, just take it. Yeah. And don't fight it. And then that's what I realized. I mean, Jeff Ross is the roast guy. I'm sure he's made millions of dollars off of yeah. the roast. Yeah. And guy. I'm not saying I'm, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, what you're saying, I was but... just, you know, I'm not comparing myself to like, the, I'm that guy. But um, I do know this, that like, I, 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 I was trying 
back in the day to write other material and uh and it wasn't funny and then the first time i talked about uh you know something my son and i having a conversation that was real that actually happened then i got a laugh from the audience yeah i mean but i I, well i also think it's it's because people recognize real they recognize authenticity and if like you're not uh some crazy bachelor living the bachelor life you're a dad who grew up punk rock, who grew up like in the Ramones, Love. and he's trying to reconcile authority as the authority figure. Yeah. And that, that's you. And that's why no one can steal your act, though, either, because there is no one else that specifically has those touch points. Yeah. I mean, there are some married guys out there, there's some parents out there, there's some punk rock guys out there. Yeah. But like when you put it all together, that's what makes it uniquely you. And that's yeah. where, that's where, that's what finding your voices and all that kind of crap is. It's so true. Because for that, a long yeah. time, I, I avoided all the music stuff. Like I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to talk about that. They'll, they won't get it. And then I I remember one night um you know, they get the, it dude yeah but, but get you know but the thing is though is yeah. that you know hey if, if you're you know the other night I, I was at this show and it was it was two shows in one night one uh, night i was at the i'm at i'm at the hermosa magic club which is uh, like yeah. it's like the you know the premier like you know comedy club and it, everyone you know you're working super hard to get you know your yeah. seven minutes in there and and you go there and you perform and then the next night i'm at um I'm at a show uh, at a comic book store mm-hmm. down, and it was oddly enough in Manhattan Beach. And but the thing that was cool was, I was able to do. I had this bad religion bit that I always that I was always like, hey, I wonder if everyone would get it. And all the bad religion bit is is that they had me open up for them mm-hmm. for their 30th anniversary as a comic. Yeah. So my as a kid in my band, I'd opened up with them. A ton of yeah, times in your brain. Yeah, no, yeah. I, no, no. I actually toured with <laughs> oh, that religion. Oh, yeah, when right, I was yeah, in Wax, we opened wax, up for them. When right, I was yes. in Frontline, that's how I met those guys. And when I started doing stand-up, they were like so. Jay Bentley, the bass player, was like so supportive. He'd come to shows, blah 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 blah. And this one time, he was like, "Dude, how funny would it be, you know, if you opened up for us in in at this show?" And I was like, "Okay, I'll do it." And the whole sh- the whole bit is about how bad it went Mm -hmm. but the thing that was so great is uh, that i was so psyched on is that i took this story that was really long and i just shortened it down and was able to get people that have never heard of bad religion they heard of the name by just saying to them like for the people that know who bad religion is you know what kind of fans they have Mm -hmm. and for people that don't know who bad religion is you can figure out by the name of the band yeah of course what kind of fans are of course so then the audience is like okay, They're we're on board. the ride. Yeah, yeah. You're opening for a rock band that has gnarly fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Thank I'm you. in. Yeah, yeah. And and it was it was it, it's been nice to now kind of uh, put those bits or little little you know stories into the because then I think it makes so much more mm-hmm. sense of why this weird um, why this weird uh, back and forth with my kids because it's it's probably more on my end than on their end. Does yeah, that make yeah. sense? Yeah, totally. And and I, I mean that's what. But it's that experience. It goes back yeah. to like you know it's you can't run away from who you are and shy away from that. And like once you start tackling that stuff head on, it's when it happens. It's like that. That's like when Louis had the turning point. Louis C.K. of like I'm going to stop being this absurdist guy and I want to talk about why my kids are assholes. And but that's when he became Louis C.K. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like there's plenty like when George Carlin's was became you know more uh, more more uh, counterculture as yeah. opposed to just the button up guy on yeah. that. That's when he became George fucking Carlin. Yeah. So like those are the turning points a lot of comedians and I'm not comparing you to Carlin yeah. and, and yeah. Louis I know that you don't, you yeah. don't you're not I know that you just so everyone that's listening there's no comparison <laughs> and I want to go on record saying that no, together but, no but it's like when those guys started 
not worrying about what people will think of them as the individual. They started to become who they actually really yeah. were. So, but it, all the but it takes time. It, it does. It, it does. And and you know you have you now have the record, and now it's like oh I'm stoked. I, I actually not. I mean, granted, in 2017, there's more comedy records than ever, but not everyone has a comedy record. Not everyone has a label coming to them and saying, hey, I want to put this out. Hey, I want to press this on vinyl. Yeah. Hey, I like what you have to say because it's a unique voice. And that was the one thing yeah. I got to say, Matt, that I was – because you and I had had this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, everyone, everyone was asking me, why don't you put it on side one? Why is it on yeah, side yeah. one? And we, you know, we released Eric Griffin's first comedy mm -hmm. record. And, Absolutely. And you know, that was – we were going into that world, and what ended up happening was I was just like – you know what? I was like, if it's on side one, it just it's just it's too easy. And, yeah. and I want someone I want someone to come along and say, Hey man, yeah. I want to put a record out of yours. And and when the eight hundred pound gorilla guy yeah, yeah, said yeah. that, that was like that was a big thing. And and it, you know, as a comic it, it and I know that you know you're 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 not, you know, looking for validation, but it, it did make me feel like, okay, cool. This yes. is going to come out on another label, and if if it does do, it's going to sink or swim on its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was and, really and, important. And that's and that's great. It's 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 kind of like you're waiting for those certain things to happen. I mean, like so. The I guess the question is like, you know, what what is like? Everyone has milestones. Album's been a milestone you crossed off. Is it getting a late night spot? Is it getting a tour? Is it like what are your other milestones that you want to knock off your comedy career? I mean, uh, I think. Okay, I'll, yeah, I mean, I'll, it goes back to the germ. I want it goes back to it goes back to the germs. I want to sing for the germs. <laughs> uh, it goes back to it goes back to. I think there. This is if you said right now, I can you know magic wand. These are the these are the things that could happen to you. Um, I would love to do a late night spot. Okay, because as a kid growing up on television, yeah. it's still. It still means something, and I would love to do it while my parents are both still alive because it would just be fun to say, "Here we are in New York," and or you know, yeah, it'd probably be New York because Fallon or you know, Fallon or you know, uh, Colbert. I don't know. Co uh, Conan's out here. Yeah, Conan's yeah. out here. I don't, you know, it, hey, wherever it is would be amazing. Uh, it would just be amazing to have that moment with them. I talked to Nick Guerra, who did who mm -hmm. did uh, Fallon, and he's a comic. I do a ton of shows out here mm -hmm. with him. And one night after after a set, we were just sitting outside, and I said, "Hey, you know, can I ask you, like, what's what's been the feeling from you know two weeks ago when you did late yeah. night?" And he's in, you know, he said, well, "What you know, what what." part of the question do you want me to answer? Mm -hmm. How has it been, you know, financially? Am I getting booked more? Or how has it been personally? I said, answer them both. And he yeah. was he was so honest. And he said, having my mom there with me when I did the show was one of the greatest moments. That's, yeah. Because she was there. And she's been with me on this, you know, my entire life mm -hmm. and this entire journey. And, and it was just like, boom. And then he said, as a comic too, Personally, it just felt, I felt so just, yes, mm -hmm. I got underneath my belt. I have, like, I have not like he was saying, now I'm the best comic ever. Yeah, th those days are over of being made king after you perform in no. front of Carson. He said, hey, Joe, I'm waiting in line with you to go on tonight. Yeah. yeah. They didn't care. Yeah. And he goes and did, and he goes, yeah. Joe, when you walk up on stage, have, does it, did they say like, you know, when they give you, Hey, what do you want me to say before you go on stage? You know, you know, we both know no one ever gets more excited because you did a spot on Letterman or Conan mm -hmm. or any of that. They did, you just say, come into the stage and hopefully you're funny that yeah, night, yeah, yeah, you know? Exactly. So, so his answer, that, so a late night spot, I would, I would love that. I, you know, I would love, I think the thing that, if if I if there was just one thing, all I, I would love to get to is get to a point where I could go out on the road, 
you know, here uh, in the States and I could go to this, you know, cities that you want to go to mm-hmm. and go out on the road. And I would love to be at a place where, you know, that, that three to 500, you know, mm-hmm. some nights more come out to the show. To see you. To see you. It's not a papered room. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's and the goal you, of every comic out there is you, to be a working comic. Yeah. And, and not like, yeah, we got our tickets for free because they come with nachos. Exactly. Like, and, you know, exactly. and I have plenty of those shows. Uh, yeah. It would be everyone great. does. Yeah. Everyone does. I would love to get to. I would love to get to a point where you know it's like you. I have ideas. You know, my son and I drive around, and I, you know, I'm always like, oh, dude, if you know, if we were doing this, you know, I would have this music before, and I would, yeah. you know, I would, I would love to have a band. Like, yeah, the band does this, and then instead of, you know, oh, maybe instead of comics, we have a host, and I have like, a, a, you know, punk rock karaoke, and yeah. they're the openers, and and mm-hmm. and through the whole night before I go on, everyone's singing songs, and maybe even, you know, just ideas like that to make a show. Like, I would love, I would love to make a, I would love to make it. When you come to a show, just if there was a dream, would be like a, a comedy show that's that that you're like, did I really start sweating at that comedy show? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Opposed yeah, totally. to like, I went. There was two guys. There was there was a couple of comics. Yeah. And then the guy got up and he did his thing. Okay, that was cool. Like, I'd love to get into a place where you could say, you know what? I'm gonna try to do something totally different and bring bring a show, which yeah. goes back to. You know, I was I was into magic when I was a little kid. You yeah, know, I, I I we had a circus that stayed at my mom and dad's house. Like we lived on this ranch, and like I saw them rehearsing for like a whole summer. Oh, that's great. You know, so it's like yeah, yeah. you know, it's weird shit like that. That like I'm not saying I want to have a circus out there, but like, <laughs> but I would love to. I would love to do that. And then uh, you know, I'd love I'd I'd also you know I think um, the next like up uh, the next thing right in front of me is is trying to what we're trying to do now is 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 take like these stories of music and and who I was and all those mm-hmm. ingredients and bridge them together with with who I am now yeah. and and film that somewhere but I also yeah. like I got asked like hey we want to film and I was like yeah but I don't want it to be just another like the last thing we need is another special yeah. on our, on I, these these networks because no one knows who I am so yeah. if I'm going to make a special I just don't want it to be a jerk it, off it, it dick stroke. I want it to a be uniqueness to it. Like yeah, like Zach Galifianakis live at the Purple Onion is a great. Or Neil example. Brennan. Yeah, or Neil Brennan. Dude, like, Neil Brennan yeah. with the three mics. Three mics. I mean, dude, when I saw that, I was like, okay, okay. yeah, because like it's like there's there's interstitials, there's this that, the other thing, like, and it's different. Like here's a for, one thing that pops into my head all the time, and and is and it's a it's a great story, and if you want to tell it, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine too. Is I saw you do a rock show, a rock and music show, a rock and comedy show. I'm sorry, at Cobb's Comedy. Club sketch fest a couple years back. Greg, Greg Barrett. Barrett. How many times have we had said Greg Barrett? I, we have. Greg Barrett's hey, been the theme. Right, yeah, we yeah. want you right now. Whoever tells <laughs> uh, whoever emails me <laughs> at josib22, josib22 at gmail.com. Okay. How many times, Someone including right now, <laughs> how many times we have said the word Greg Barrett? <laughs> Greg Barrett. How many times we've said it? Yeah. Um, you, I will send you a free copy on vinyl. Okay. Actually, the one that Matt's holding. Yeah, the one I'm holding right now. Right we'll now. Send it out. Yeah, yeah, I will send it to you. Oh, all right, great. I'm thinking at least 10. I'm thinking at least 10. I think we're near, with Greg Barrett? Well, yeah, Greg Barrett. At least, <laughs> at least 10. Greg Barrett. I, we should call him and be like, <laughs> be like hello, who is this? Greg Barrett. Dude, that so, counts. That one just counts. Yeah, it totally counts. So from now until the end of the podcast. So the, anyway, yeah, I came yeah. up to San Francisco, and, and, uh, and you remember that it was you and was Alice? Me and Alice. But you we remember that lineup? Uh, it was great. It was, it was you. I want to say Chris Hardwick. Chris Hardwick. And there was someone else. Uh, uh, 
the um what uh the woman who came out and did I like the cocoa. Uh, oh oh, I'm in love with the cocoa. Natasha Lazaro. Yeah, yes, yeah, so she did the the the, the that, that mock up song. But it's a great and this is the great example of a Joe Sibb story. Is you told the story and I didn't know this at the time, but you had prepped me before. It is. You are basically the inspiration for the intro to Weezer's sweater song, Undone yeah. the Sweater Song. That guy talk, it's, uh, I want to say, uh, who was doing the talking? Matt Sharp did. Yes, it was Matt Sharp, but he's basically mimicking a voicemail you left Weezer. Yeah. And when they recorded. And like, that's one of those things that's like, first of all, why would you lie about something like that? Second of all, why doesn't the rest of the world know this? And third of all, this is a story you can tell, on, you can tell <laughs> and it can be put into a special. Yeah. It, can be a 30, it can be a minute and a half animated clip that lives online yeah. that'll probably get a million and a half views because yeah. it's like, it's such a ridiculously crazy story. Yeah. Like that's to me, is like a quintessential like Joe Sib type of like marriage of comedy and, and the music part of you is a story like that. that. You know and you what? have plenty of those. Yeah. And you know yeah. what? And that, that story is such an example of like, and this is such a, to everyone that's listening, man, it just never turns out the way yeah. you think it's gonna. That's been my mantra. My new, uh, my new, like, just mantra has been that because my whole like when that when that happened, I was at such a dark place in my yeah. life that I never thought I would ever even tell anybody uh-huh. that that there was this possibility this that they were giant song. Yeah. Because at the time, it's just another band. It was just, it was, it's no different than, you know, it, Weezer wasn't Weezer yet. Yes. They were just some guys that lived in an apartment that covered my band's songs. Yeah. They, they were just friends of mine. They were mm-hmm. just, they were, it, Rivers wasn't Rivers. He yeah. was the, he was a guy that, that um, was, you know, super, super quiet and shy and wore glasses. And at the time, you know, he, he had his legs, his leg was messed up and yeah. he had a, he had to wear a, a special shoe, mm-hmm. you know. So you're the last guy that you thought would go on to have this this huge career. Which, which I'll tell you, you, you that's that's the way it always is. Once yeah. again, it never turns out the way that you think. Of course. It is. So the fact that this, and then the record goes on to be huge, huge. It was one of the biggest records of like yeah. the '90s. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then on, it's, and we're talking about the blue record. The blue and record, then, and yeah. then on top of it, for for my own personal uh just i guess it was like it was like it's it was this you know it's the only time in my life that like there was this like just this thorn in my side with these guys and then once and then also how sick it was with i was having this whole battle with them Mm. and and this thing in my head yeah and i mean and it was existing here and there but not to the level that i took it to yeah yeah of course you know and then on top of it to 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 how you know to find out that like you know and i remember years like this is like probably like five years ago uh or no like maybe even longer like seven years ago i rivers was writing a book on weezer Mm -hmm. and someone from their camp reached out and said, hey, man, would you mind talking to Rivers? And I was like, yeah, no problem. So we got on the phone and we talked. For, I remember we talked for like a good time. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, man, there's one thing I got to ask you. And he's like, yeah. yeah, sure. And I go, and I go, hey, dude, you know, I always had heard that, you know, that, that, 
the beginning of the sweater song was kind of like, he's like, and he's told, that's when he told me, he goes, yeah, I did, you know, not, yeah, yeah I did. He goes, you know, I hope you didn't take offense to that. We just liked you guys and your band so much that you, you know, you left a message and mm-hmm. we used to always want to go to those parties and mm-hmm. you'd invite us. And, yeah. and we were like, we should have that at the beginning of the, the record. And, you know, and then, you know, and then so you're thinking it's a shot across the bow and they're like, no, it's, we're hanging your photo. On yeah. The wall. Yeah. They're like, yeah. dude, we used to cover your songs. He's like, yeah. Joe, we, and I was like, wow, really? So, and then it went into this. It's like that's so cool, and uh, and then the fact now when I hear the song, it's like you know my son will be like that's supposed to be my dad, you know, like, <laughs> and it's funny because yeah, yeah. anyone that knows me, they're like holy. That does sound like you. Yeah, it does. And it's one of those things where it's, I mean, like, you got to take it as the compliment that it actually is. Dude, because, but, but, I'm but, stoked on it But now. you got to get past your own bullshit to realize that I am totally, this, is, this isn't this is what I think it is. Yeah. And, you know, they're not competition. They're yeah. actually paying homage to you. So yeah. it, it's, but, but those are the types of stories that I think that there's great humor in. Uh, it, it, it's a uniquely Joe Sib story. No one else can tell that fucking story. So like if someone rips it off, it's like, that's Joe Sib. You can't be Joe Sib, you know, but that, but that's what I think. I think that's what a Joe Sib special could look like. Yeah. It could be. See, I'd love to do that. Yeah. It could be you on stage, start setting up the joke. Hey, I want to tell you about this one time that I had a fake feud in my head with, with Weezer. Yeah. And they didn't even know about it. Yeah. And it goes into this whole story. Yeah. You know, so like, I think that is like, kind of like where, I, what yeah. you could do. The thing that I'd love to do, like that, that was the thing that we're, that we were kind of talking about is mm. is bridging is bridging uh, bridging those types of stories mm-hmm. and finding the best ones. Yes, because you know, like I have this great social distortion story. Mm-hmm. I have this great Ramon story. Yeah, I have all these you know these stories, these music stories, and then now even uh, the new material that I've been doing a lot um, that uh, once again has a lot to do with parenting, but it's more on the parenting of not not these little people anymore it's 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 like the pop yeah. brownie story like yeah. really is this happening they're right adults now? they're becoming adults yeah. So, yeah yeah that and you know people talking about going to college and, and all these crazy things financially you know taking my daughter to coachella you yeah. know i never i never in my entire life thought you know i'd go to coachella i went with my daughter yeah this this year and just that whole experience with you know it's just you, know, you have this little person that you make and then all of a sudden during Lady Gaga you're like there's 140,000 people here mm-hmm. and somewhere out there in this sea of people is you know I was there with my wife is the person we yeah. made yeah and yeah. you're just like like talk about anxiety dude yeah, yeah. I can only imagine I can I only mean, imagine yeah it's crazy but it but is that's that's the type of special that I'd love to make but I want it to be like I was saying to the guy the other day from 800 pound gorilla. I said, I said, the only way I want it to be is it has to be something where you are you're flipping through and you would go, Hey man, did you see the thing with that dude with like the slick back hair? Yeah. Like you should check that out. Yeah. Like it's going to have to be like that. Yeah. I mean, but, and there's so many different ways to do it now. Yeah. And you can go with a streaming service, Netflix, CISO, yeah. all that stuff, yeah. or you know what? Put it up, make it yourself, put it out there into the world. Yeah. See how many shares you can get on social media. Cause it's just a great fucking story. Yeah. Like, you know, like I listen to Burt Kreischer's podcast all the time. Yeah. He's like, he's got incredible stories and he kind of just accepted the fact on his last special on Showtime, they didn't want to necessarily release his, his, his big stories, the machine story and all that kind of stuff. Skydiving with Rachel Ray. They didn't want to put that out into the world, but he convinced them to let him put it out on social media and it went on social media and it blew up like 25 million views. It's like, well, that's, that's what you need. You like, those are the things that I think people stick with you because who doesn't want to hear a good story about the guy from Weezer, the, yeah. the Weezer song, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's stuff like that, which is uniquely you. And that's also like, there's not many people out there that have that, 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 that 
that ability that in their in their catalog. And I want to get them out there too. You know those stories because yeah. you also, know, like most comics have stories about airline food. Yeah, because every comic does. Because every comic travels all the time. Yeah, they don't always have stories about social distortion in the Ramones. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, hopefully, hopefully that would. So those would be the three yeah. things. You know, I'd love to do a late night spot. I'd love to get to the point where I could do bigger things because I would love to have an opportunity to put together like a, a real show. Like yeah. a, like I said, like that you would leave going, how did I go to the comedy show and actually sweat? Yeah. Like I'd love that. And and then you know putting together um, some sort of God that word special this sounds yeah it sounds so like but it is it's, it's so like it's well even no like how make, I feel well, make the special special again yeah there that's you, what you go. gotta do you the go. special isn't special now that's what we're so. gonna say yeah yeah that's <laughs> you know what what's, why don't we end it on that too yeah. make the special special again so Joe I want to thank you for sitting down for me ah. it's been a, it's been a solid hour Matt just thank cool you stuff yeah, I really so. appreciate it yeah yeah I I I love uh, talking to the movers and shakers and and the the, the comedy minds and the one thing I gotta say before we bail okay what's that, that? that there was there was two things that that I, that came through my head and I, I was like I gotta remember to say okay, what's you know one thing Jerry Seinfeld said in the last documentary that he was mm-hmm. in that I loved so much was it's towards the end and it's the documentary um it, 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 what's the, what's the latest one that came out that he was in? There's uh there's I'm dying up here. No, not it's not that, that one. That's the, that's uh, that's the, the, the showtime, showtime thing. show. I know um, what you're talking about. It just came out. It it's just like, came out. There's like I am comic, I am road comic, and then I am there, something comic. Yeah, and it has. And then there's the, another one too. Yeah, of, and, of uh, star. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it yeah. was the most recent one that he's. We'll, in. we'll edit and post. Yeah, <laughs> and he says he says he says, um, you know, after all. Can't just being a comedian be enough? Yeah, yeah. And when he said that, sure, it's coming from Jerry Seinfeld with all the money and of course. all that. But, but I didn't take it that way. I took it as like, yeah, he's right. Like, why can't being a comic and doing your spot and mm-hmm. then going afterwards and eating the sandwich with your friends that are comics mm-hmm. and drinking the coffee and going over the words or doing what we're doing right here and mm-hmm. just loving that be enough? Yeah. And that sometimes... I have to really remember that. You know, one of my favorite movies is Broadway, Danny Rose, Woody mm-hmm. Allen. Uh, everyone listening, you got to get that. Just watch it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a movie for comics about comics. And it's mm-hmm. just, it just really, it just has, takes such a snapshot of yeah. that lifestyle. Last thing I was going to say too was one of the best advice you ever gave to me. And this was, super, Oh no, <laughs> super, no, no, no. <laughs> okay. This was super, super early on. And this okay. is for all comics to hear was I was, Put it on record. The no. best advice that Matt gives. Best, Matt, no, best advice you ever gave me was yeah. I was trying to do this and do that, and 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 it a lot. Some things weren't coming into place, and and I was talking to you about it, and you said, you know, Joe, you know, you 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 want to be careful because you don't want to be seen too soon. Yeah. And when you said that, I was like, point taken. You you know, basically like it's good advice. Go back, I can't take full credit for. Go that. back it's, into it's the woodshed. Yeah. Go back into the woodshed and like. Do some more work yeah. before you really start hanging it out there, mm. and and I would say that added like another good two to three years before like that record was recorded because mm. I was like he's right you know like don't don't for once in your life <laughs> just take the time to do it right yeah, yeah. well I'm 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 glad you took the advice even though I I mean that's yeah. that's great advice for anyone and I I'm, it's definitely not originally mine it's not no 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 I mean oh, but there man. is but you only have one chance to be seen I'm for the so first bummed. time. <laughs> I mean, but there's a no, lot of kidding. yeah. You only have one chance to be seen for the first time. And there's a lot of comics that are like, "I'm huge here, so I'm going to wait." It's get good somewhere than go to your New York and yeah. LA's too. Yeah. So yeah. it's a pretty common yeah. thing. But it is. It's very true because and and and, and, and the thing is, is that it 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 was true in the sense yeah. that it really like at that point where I was at, I was like, 
I, I want to do, I want to take that advice. Mm. Well, I'm glad you did because I think the result is uh, nowhere near the top. There we go. <laughs> the, hey. the Joe Sib out. There you go. Hey, and if anyone wants to, if anyone wants, uh, you know what, like we said earlier, tell me how many times we said the word Greg Barrett in this episode, <laughs> email me at Joe Sib, the number two, two at gmail.com. Yes. And, uh, and I'll pick a winner. And send you a copy of the record for free. The other thing I want to shout out real quick is you have a fantastic podcast called Rad Parenting, yes, which I is do. kind of like it's it's kind of like you giving the advice you would give, and then you have a professional giving the advice a professional should give about parenting. Our tagline is <laughs> uh, "She's the expert, he's not." Yes, and she being Anaya Bogue, who wrote mm. the book Nine Ways That We're Screwing Up Our Girls and How We Can Stop. Mm. Uh, she has uh, also Stand Up for Girls program that she started in Los Angeles. She speaks all over the world. She mm. has a, a foundation she started in Guatemala for young girls. Uh, I met her about three years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was at a time when I was like, like, I want to start, I want to do a podcast, but I don't want to do it on music. I want to yeah, do yeah. something different. Not that I don't love music, but I just want to try to do something different. At the time I was looking at having a 13 year old and I was like, wow, I would love to have some help with this. So we just started, I would just bring in topics and, 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 and just real topics like, Hey, check it out. Uh, you know, Oh, year ago, my daughter thought I was cool. Uh, now, Overnight, she thinks I'm yep. lame. Like yep. literally, someone came into her room and said, "Your dad is lame." Yeah, and she believed him. Switch so, flipped. What do I do? Yeah, yeah. And we had, you know, we do episode on that. Or like this week, we have breaking the gender uh, box, and it's all about that whole notion: boys will be boys, mm -hmm. and and it's also just real, real. Like I always say, my kids someday when they listen to it, we'll be like, oh my gosh, like our whole life is documented mm -hmm. on these podcasts because I'll just, I'll bring in things like the other, you know, one time I was just honest. I was like, I can't stand when these other parents bring their kids to my house and their kids just are rude yeah. and distress and thrash my shit. Like, yeah. I'm like, dude, are you standing on my couch right now? Yeah. And then they vibe me for vibing them. And yeah. they're like, well, you know, that's how kids are. And I'm like, no, yeah. you're being a lazy parent. Yeah. We had a whole episode on that. Lazy parenting. It, yeah. You know, because oh. it, it was, and it just, it's, it's really turned into this. It's not a show about like, Oh, I can't stand my kids. It's not no, that. No, it's no, really no. like, I always say this, it's 30 to 40 minutes of, um, some real conversation that's fun because I'm going to be a part of it. Yeah. But you are going to leave with some meat on the bone. Like, Hey, you know what, man? Yeah. Thanks for telling me that. I have we get emails all the time from parents that's that great. go, "Wow, man, like you know, I really love your discussion about that." And you know what? I'm gonna put those like when I get home tonight. I'm gonna put those three things into play. And that's that's kind of I always tell Anaya like we gotta land it with a real answer. I don't yeah. want it just to be like having kids is tough. Yeah. All yeah, right, yeah. next week we'll be back. Like I want yeah, it to yeah. be. I want us to like. Okay, what do you do? That's great. So yeah, so Rad Parenting, check that out. Yep. It's a great podcast. Radparenting.com. And, and check out Nowhere Near the Top, the latest from Joe Sib out on 800 Pound Gorilla Records. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on the show, Joe. Hey. I'm glad we finally did this in, in the brand new studio. In the brand new studio. Yeah, yeah, so this is great. So there you go. Thanks again. Late. And that was our interview with Joe Sib. Uh, super excited to have him on the podcast. Really, really want to thank him for, for always supporting what we do over here at the Laugh Button and always uh, being a, a champion of comedy. He's a really good dude. Solid Interesting dude. guy. Yeah, I definitely want to thank him also for uh, inviting us out to his house and taping it and breaking the new podcast. It was very nice of you, Joe Sib. Uh, next time you're on the East Coast, I'm sure we will uh, catch up and, and, and talk. But in the meantime, uh, check us out, thelaughbutton.com. Anywhere you can type in the Laugh Button into your socials, you'll find us. You can find us on riotcast.com slash 
the laugh button and uh, check out all the stuff going on. We've got uh, we got some we got some shows coming up. We have uh, some merch in our merch store, so all that kind of good stuff. So definitely keep a track of uh, get definitely checking on what's going on in the laugh button by visiting laughbutton.com. Uh, you can find follow me personally at I am Kleinschmidt, and you can follow Bram personally at. Bramphetamine on the Instagram, Bramfilter on Twitter, and MetalInsider.net for all your metal news, analysis, gossip, fun, other Big. stuff. So until then, uh, we'll catch you on the next time here on the Lifebond Podcast. Bye. See ya.